Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Open the pod bay doors now. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the most you ever lost in the contest? Go ahead. Make my day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this latest edition of Black Hole Cinema with me, your host again, Tony Black, hosting for the second week in a row. Um, so I apologise for that. Uh, today we've got a very special episode because it's our first uh, special, it wasn't the Oscars, it's a special revolving around a franchise this year. It's our Fast and Furious special. We have the Turbo Chargers on standby. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give up now and just introduce you guys because this could just go on for a while. And um, with me on the starting grid... yeah. Is uh, firstly, sorry, firstly, uh, Emma Platt. Hello, Emma. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay, you know, full of chocolate. Full of chocolate. Like you should be. Excellent. It is Easter Sunday, we are recording this, obviously, so yeah, it's the, uh, it's the rules. And uh, with us tonight as well is Mr. Tom East. Hello, Tom. Hello. Are you full of chocolate? I'm not, actually. I've only had a tiny, tiny bit of chocolate today. Oh. I'm actually yeah, not. disappointment. That is disappointment. And as we were just saying before we started, you're not the son of God. No. So, also, what happened with that? I've been living a lie my whole life. It's. I'm really disappointed. I'm really sad. I'm really sad. Can I just take this opportunity, by the way, to wish you a happy birthday for last week, Tom, by the way? Oh, thank you. Yes, you're 21 years young, I believe. Yes, I am. I'm officially an adult now. Oh. Is that true? You're only 21? Yeah, only 21. Uh, it's not, I'm 28 it, tomorrow. It, oh, no, that's not too bad. It's not, because I'm 33 in two months. So, so, see your role. So I, I really am old, yeah. Although now, now you are technically an adult, I can maybe get away with starting to call you old man, slightly. <laughs> no, no, you can't. No, I can't, no. <laughs> Thank you both for joining us for this um, pedal to the metal uh, edition of Black Holes. I will stop Please doing stop. that. I will. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can't help it. Um, yes, this is all. It's fast. It's fear. It's not just about being fast. It's about being furious. And you know that, as the tagline goes, and that's the that's as I say, what this podcast is all about. We're going to talk about the most bizarre franchise I think in Hollywood today. Quite honestly, the Fast and Furious franchise, which, as we know, stars Vin Diesel. The, uh, the late Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, and lots of other people who st- steadily started to come into the, the franchise. And it's all cars, girls, more cars, more girls, homoeroticism, and then eventually guns and stuff. So we all quite enjoy this franchise, obviously. And, and as, as we're going to go through the podcast, we're actually going to talk through all the films, and then we're going to finish with a review of... Um, Fast and Furious 7 or Furious 7 or whatever they decided to call it in whatever country but before we do that guys what do we think about this this franchise let's, let's just talk a little bit about it I mean what, what do, have both of you always been fans Emma what about you no this week was the first time I'd ever seen any of the films wow okay that's good it's strange because the quality improves as it goes along like the first two three aren't great and then they get better and better and better and it's 
it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Really, I mean, I enjoyed them because I had like explosions and stuff in. Mm. So <laughs> I'm very easy easily pleased when it comes to films. Stick the rock in it. Once the rock shows up, I'm all over it. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. You know, it's it's it was the point I think when he really came in. <laughs> he rocked up. <laughs> oh, so, <God>. sorry. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, when he uh, turned up, it, it just really uh, kicked into another gear. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. You got a list. I tell you what, though, I'm going to be fast and furious with you if you get this out. <laughs> okay, Tom, what do what do you think of this franchise? Are you of a similar mind as uh, as Emma? Uh, well, um, the first one I actually saw was number six. Like, I got dragged along by Francis here, and I was like, this is going to be the dumbest film ever. Like, I had no interest in cars whatsoever. Um, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, no, I need to watch some more. So I got them all, and then I only watched number one, which was, I think, I, I'd have to agree with Emma. There's kind of a, a low quality in the first kind of, in the first film compared to what number six is. And somehow I managed to get my entire family hooked on these films. So they've seen all of them, and I haven't. <laughs> um, so I got dragged to see the seventh film yesterday. Mm. Well, it came out, obviously, two days ago from uh, recording this. And uh, yeah. it's already, like, made a fortune by the look of it. It was uh, it made something like 162 million over its first couple of days. Uh, so, I mean, all of them now, in the last, like, Two or three films, I think, have, have made a good five hundred, six hundred million dollars. So they're they're a proper established, serious money franchise now, which is why they're getting bigger and bigger. And what the, the screening I went to see it in was absolutely rammed, absolutely rammed, and to the point where I actually the day before I was going to go uh, on the Saturday, and it, it the, the showing that I was going to go to next on the website app had actually sold out, and that's. That doesn't really tend to happen. I suppose it's because it's fallen in a, in, a, in a bank holiday in the UK, so everyone's off. So a lot of people are going to go and see it, but it's still, it's still really just taken off in a way. I don't think anyone really expected. And I think when we talk through the films, I think we'll get more into that really to chart just how different it's changed. But just what do you think? What do you think before we get into that? What do you think the appeal is really, Emma? What do you think the appeal is? Having having come to it new. Where? What? Why? Why has it struck such a chord? I think the first one was just full of car porn and half-dressed women. Mm. So it had a very specific target audience, but it's evolved into more of an action franchise now. Like I think, comparing like one and five, like the amount of like stunts and you know the big set pieces is just there's hardly there's like none really in the first one. And then as you go along, it's kind of found its identity more to appeal to more people because I when it first came out well it's 2001 I was like 13 I would never watch it anyway or like the second one because it was like cars racing all this but now it's like look explosions the rock Jason mm. Statham like it's just become broader and broader and like my mom wants to see number seven not just because Dwayne Johnson's in it and she's a massive Dwayne Johnson fan <laughs> because she was like oh that looks cool it's got like so it's evolved I think and I think that's really hard for a franchise to do and mm. I think it's the only franchise I can think off the top of my head outside of horror films, which is at such a high number. Like, I know, like, you've got, like, Friday the 13th is, like, like a number 11. So, like, all those type of films are, like, like 9, 10. And I can't think of any other series that's got this many installments in it. I, I struggle. I struggle to think. I struggle to think of one, really. If, you, uh, if you're not talking about, like, the ones that have been going for, like, 30 years, you know. I've got Bond. Bond. Is that what you're going to say, Tom? No, I was actually going to say Harry Potter on three. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. But you see, the difference with that is obviously Harry Potter's a, yeah. got the books, so it's actually you know got a. They always knew they were. Fan base there, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and they always knew they were going to do. Yeah, you know, what was it? Seven or was it eight? Because they there were seven eight. books and eight films. That's right. So they always knew they were going to do at least seven. So, you know, with this. <laughs> It's just, it was, I think, right from the off completely, you know, um, completely a surprise, I think, in terms of how it's how it's developed and everything like that. But um, as somebody who hasn't seen all of them, Tom, do you think that if you went back now and watched the earlier ones, then you would 
you would view it differently or do you think what do you think your experience would be or it might be I mean you may go and do that soon I don't know I think now that I know that a lot of the earlier films do kind of tie into uh, Fast and Furious 6 and Fast and Furious 7 like especially um, I know Tokyo Drift kind of takes place around the time of 6 and 7 there's mm. a weird kind of timeline mm. to how you're supposed to like how they take place um so I definitely would like to kind of go back and just see all the little places where it kind of connects in. I'm sure when they were making them, they didn't quite think that like all oh, this is going to tie in in the future. But the fact that they managed to do that is really quite impressive, mm. um, especially over so many films. So I think it'd be quite nice to kind of go back and like like when I watched the first one, it's nice to see where the characters um, of Brian and um, Tarasha kind of started and seeing how they were enemies and then time number seven comes around they're, they're family pretty mm. much well they are mm, well yeah pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much literally yeah that leads us into a good position I guess to talk really to start at the very beginning and, and start charting this course so let's begin by talking about the, uh, the first one the fast and the furious one race two G buy it when it takes all I don't have any cash but I do have the pink slip to my car you brave you brave you're in on the street where reputations are made it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile winning's winning you go for it emma this is this is you you watched this recently becoming like going as they say going, going native with these guys and ending up like falling in love with the whole racing side of it and obviously the Mia but 
like you say, the, the operation they've got is he isn't, but he's badly run. He's like just rubbish at his job, and he's like, well, they're the most ineffectual police. I think the whole point is though, it's not like obviously about the police, and they're, they're already, I think, from day one, being set up as like anti-heroes. You know, like Dom and uh, Dom Toretto, which has obviously been Diesel. And he comes up and he's like, yeah, and then you have to. I'm surprised he's not subtitled. Actually, Vin Diesel, because sometimes I don't get friends, I have family, and all this. But it's like he just weirdly enough, even though most of the people in this are bellends, and they are, they are, they really are bellends. You kind of, you kind of like them, and that's kind of how I felt about it, really. And I think, you know, I, I liked to an extent the fact I liked it more actually watching it now than I did some years ago when I watched it I thought it was really quite wanky and they, they are the first are a bit wanky and they're, they're a bit in love with themselves and a bit in love with the cars and like you say the, the fetishised cars and girls porn of it right which is totally there but the idea is that they're supposed to be kind of recapturing like the uh, exploitation films of like the 50s which people were going kids were going watching the drive-ins you know with their open top cars in fact it's the name The Fast and the Furious comes from a, a 50s B-movie. Um, it's nothing the same, obviously, but it comes from like one of those exploitation James Dean kind of, you know, the kids are cool kind of films. So it's kind of tapping into that, really. And the director, Rob Cohen, is he, going for that style. And it is very sexy and in its way and quite hot. You know, it, it's, it's shot in like a heat... It's like a heat wave. It's like they're in a, in a perpetual yeah. heat wave. It's that's what I thought it looks like it's all everything's sandy and like mm. dusky and hazy except for the cars mm. I think when you said it's sexy I think it's it's a version of sexy well in inverted like, commas it, it, I suppose it's sexy yeah, in inverted commas it's like this is what we think 16 year old boys are going to think of sexy fast yeah. cars and slutty women which they probably do <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but you know what really annoyed me I was like I didn't know the end and I was sitting there all the way going to through going this is crap it's obviously not Vin Diesel and when it turned out it was their gang doing a heist I was proper pissed off <laughs> I was like how dare you do this to me I had faith in you I was so annoyed <laughs> and then I was like when he was saying to like um, Paul Walker's character I'll let you know what we're doing I honestly believed he was going to say like oh we delivered like, candy to sick children in the hospital I was <laughs> definitely convinced it was going to be that and it wasn't and I was really annoyed also the the, uh, was it Tran who comes in at the end and is like the baddie kind of? Yeah, Johnny Tran, the, Rick Yoon, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the Asian guy. Yeah. He's a terrible shot. He had all those fucking bullets at the end and he only managed to hit Jesse <laughs> yeah. once. That yeah. was it? And then, <laughs> and then he's like, isn't he shot like at long range on a bike, like by yeah. Paul Walker, who just with one shot, just like, you know, and he's down. It's like. It, and you know if he's that bad a shot you know the Asian guy Johnny, J- Paul Walker isn't that good a shot no chance not at speed on a bike but I mean this this is this is nothing compared to the madness of later films <laughs> I know but you kind of get used to it like you want to see um, you expect to see just more and more insane things mm. but like I said you can't really apply too much logic to it no. you can't no, you, you can't. can't really look too much into like the flaws of it like you're a terrible shot and that kind of thing because it's not meant to be that type of film obviously it's mm. it's kind of trash isn't it mm. you know and they, they all fair like they know what type of films they're making they know they're never going to win Oscars and all that sort of stuff so they know their audience and they know the audience going to keep coming back for more and more but watching this I thought how the hell did you even get a sequel never mind you know mm. like six other films after this like that made no sense to me whatsoever and it made Made two hundred million worldwide, yeah. which is not an awful lot, really, when you consider how much the rest of the films have made and stuff like that. I mean, back in two thousand one, it probably was, but well, I think I it was. Think... It, it was. I think it was a relatively good rate of return because the budget would have been a lot less. The budget would probably have been it was about thirty-eight million. Yeah, so that on that size budget, it's you know that that's a really good rate of return based on the fact they probably didn't expect to make much more than the, their budget back on that really. Um, so Fast and the Furious would have been much more of a low budgeted yeah it'll do alright and then when it made 200 million they're like what? what? really? and then obviously they, they forgot the fact that young people want girls cars and a bit of shooting don't they Tom? you're young isn't that what they want? apparently I am uh, <laughs> yeah I do 
I mean, I was only f- seven when the first oh, one came out. God. I do remember, <laughs> um, I do remember growing up, there was a lot of, like, a lot of my friends were kind of obsessed with the films. Like I said, I've never really had much of an interest in cars. Mm. So I was just like, I kind of dismissed them as, like, dumb car movies. Turns out that they're a lot better than what I thought they were going to be. But I definitely agree that, you know, being filmed on such a small budget, for what for what the first film is, is actually really impressive that it's made so much in return. Mm. And I do think that kind of tapped into what I suppose was, like, my generation's kind of fixation on cars and stuff like that. And I think, I think the fact that each film has kind of expanded on it more and more, and like Emma said, with the kind of way they've almost fetishised cars mm. in the same way that they're fetishising the girls in the movie I think that kind of is continually tapping into the younger audience and I, I suppose at times it's almost like softcore porn plus cars mm. Mm. Um, yeah. and that that just happens to sell really well so they're just you know it's a formula they've got down they've added action to it um, so I mean the first one's not that action packed but mm. It, it did enough to get the, to, you know, to make the point of saying, you know, this is what this franchise is. These are who these characters are, and clearly enough people liked it for it to take off and kind of become this huge, huge thing. But it was weird because it had a little bit of a difficult start in a sense because yes, it did well, but then with the second one, it kind of changed up, and uh, that's a good uh, chance for us to talk about it. too fast. Too furious. All right, all right, all right, fire him up! It's time, it's time for the week to go home! Keep your eyes on the road, cowboy. Because this is this is where it kind of well, it, it, you know, it went a little bit in a different way, didn't it, Emma? You you saw this recently, didn't you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, Vin Diesel's not even in it. It's Paul Walker who is now like kind of on the run, kind of because he aided Vin Diesel, and he is he's got this nickname Bullet. Like, I don't know. Wow. That's a, I know that's a reference, to, like Steve McQueen and all that. Mm. But Jesus Christ, bullets! And he's doing races around like Miami to earn money and stuff. And then he gets arrested by the, is the feds. I think it's the feds. It's always the feds. The feds. And they're like, "We're gonna make a deal with you. You can help us take down this drug dealer, or we're gonna throw you in prison." And my first thought was, "Why would you?" ask this guy to help you like is there literally no other person in the whole of Miami never mind the whole of the USA who could possibly help you take down a drug dealer better than shitty Paul Walker let, let, Paul let's Walker, ask the, I mean his shitty character let's ask the worst FBI agent ever who's not an FBI agent anymore but is a criminal <laughs> yeah doesn't make any sense it, and then like it's just it's just then there's like there's money involved at some point I think they like double cross someone I can't really get it straight in my head he gets his Tyrese Gibson involved mm. and he's like help me and we'll get our records clean and isn't that like is it just me or is this whole clean slate thing in a hell of a lot of films yeah like the last like it's I mean it was in um, Dark Knight Rises mm. and all that like oh we we will expunge your record can they even do that well in that film they, they did sort of lampoon that didn't they in a way because it turned out that it just didn't exist and they were like well of course that doesn't exist you know in that yeah. film it was a trick she was being tricked but they, in things like this it's like yeah of course there's of course there's that technology of course we can wipe your slate clean and you know everything's fine it's yeah, yeah. so yeah this, they get this this drug money and they end up like obviously taking down the crime lord who is completely unmemorable really to be honest there's not really there's not anything about this film I would say is like really stuck out in my mind except for the lack of Vin Diesel mm. and I'm not like Vin Diesel's biggest fan or not but I just felt like that dynamic between him and Paul Walker in the first one it, it was definitely lacking and maybe it was just I thought it was really lacking because I'm new to the franchise and all that kind of thing but there's definitely something missing and they end up him and Tyrese Gibson end up like taking some money and just skipping off into the distance mm. and you know once again you can kind of see like 
how it's starting to evolve into what we know now there are more races and things like that there's not that much action obviously but it felt like like a cheap cash in and like later on mm. a lot of the films it feels like okay we know we're not going to be taken seriously so we're going to have as much fun with it as possible and we still at the same time make it really good and this year we're just like we've made loads of money let's rush it out in the next 18 months just get a script down sign up mm. you can whatever we're not bothered and I kind of feel like you can really tell with this one they've tried to make it different enough from the first one like you still got your sunny your sunny backdrop and your girls in your bikinis and your racing and this whole drug lord thing so you still it's, it doesn't feel different enough and I kind of think a sequel it should tell a different story I mean unless you're going to do it like 22 Jump Street where you just like like say into the camera we are making the same film again with the same jokes and you will still love it yeah. it's just it's laziness but it's you know I'm not big studios that really care about like rehashing things I mean you can look at the state of cinema now so it was just all about the money and you can kind of tell and this mm. is like I know I said about like how the hell could you make a film I think you'd make a sequel from Fast and Furious but this one's really poor mm. like I've seen Tokyo Drift and I didn't really enjoy that but this I think it's like the worst one out of all the ones I've seen I really do think yeah, it's the worst one I do agree I think I think it's it is the laziest I think you're spot on in what you say it is the laziest it tries to be the sleekest. It's definitely the most wanky. You know, it really is. It's so in love with itself, it's untrue. And it has none of that kind of, you know, considering that, you know, Roman Pierce, Tyrese's character, goes on to be such a great comic, you know, foil, right? It, he, you know, it doesn't seem like that's really there, you know, and it's like, it's just, it's just pure car porn. It's pure, isn't everyone gorgeous? Let's be set in Miami, you know, let's all be trying be sexy and sleek and it's just hollow as anything without any of the sense of fun and you know people wanted to see Vin Diesel they wanted that like you say that dynamic between him and uh, Paul Walker which even though neither of them really can act they have a certain on-screen chemistry in a way you know they they, they probably they missed I mean Michelle Rodriguez you said earlier Michelle Rodriguez is awesome she's awesome in anything I love that woman to bits she's brilliant she dies too often in things but she's brilliant um, she definitely does she does Michelle Rodriguez looked like she'd give you the night of your life and then you up and take your money exactly. and you would sit there and go thank you Michelle exactly. Rodriguez thank you for that that is exactly why I love her because you're <laughs> exactly it but yeah it just it, the only things I think of merit of this it was directed by John Singleton who made um, Boys in the Hood so it should have been better really he's a better director you know than this but it was just a cheap cash in the only things of interest I think were the fact that Tyrese and Ludacris who he obviously plays Tej and he ends up being part of the crew as well and he's quite a good part of the crew they at least you know, had their debuts in this, and I, I like the way it kind of ties everything together. But this made 236 million, you know, off a 76 million budget, so it's still in making money to the point where obviously they're going to do more, which leads to the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Drifting. What do you mean, drift? The cars are lighter. The tires are slick. When you drift, if you ain't out of control, you ain't in control. Still need a dictionary. And this is this is where I think it started to change slightly. This 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 was this was the beginning. Even though it's not a good film, like you said, Emma. It basically because it's got a whole new cast, really. You know, completely. It's obviously it's set in Tokyo for the most part and it uh, has Lucas Black who um, I don't know if either of you remember a show called American Gothic years no. ago you probably before, I'm sure it's definitely before no. your time Tom yeah and uh, it wasn't I mean Matt Layden loves this show he's a massive fan but it was a very quirky kind of Twin Peaksy kind of thing in the mid 90s and I never really watched it but I heard good things and he was I think he was in that as a boy and then he was in the X-Files movie as a boy and I remember that I love that film, but yeah, he's uh, he's got proper Texan accent, so he's like that. He sounds like a proper hick, you know, all the way through, like that. And then he's he's like a, an edgy. Well, even though he's clearly about twenty five, he plays an edgy like seventeen year old <laughs> who uh, who's he keeps nicking cars and getting in dribble. Oh God, that just makes his cameo in number seven even worse. It's weird. It's weird, right? He suddenly ages about ten years. Yeah. In- 10 seconds it's bizarre it is bizarre and uh, it's really what exactly but he's, he's yeah he's supposed to be about 17 <laughs> it's, it's mental Ooh. whereas in reality that guy's got to be about 35 but yeah so he's, he plays a guy called Sean Boswell who's 
you know, they're kind of clearly trying to gear him up as the new Brian in a way, even though he's got a very different backstory. But he's the stock kind of American, you know, chiseled jaw guy. Even though he's he doesn't at all have like Paul Walker's, you know, Californian surfer dude good looks and that sort of natural charisma. He's not a bad actor, but he just doesn't really fit this role at all. And he's he gets sent to Tokyo because he keeps getting in trouble, and then inevitably he gets involved in street racing and meets Bow Wow, who basically takes the Ja Rule and the ludicrous role in this. And it's ju- it's just rehashing, and he meets this cute girl who I can't even remember who she is, but she's she's cute. She's although 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 she's a schoolgirl again, who's like got to be about twenty two, twenty three. So that's a little bit creepy as well, right? I don't know why they do this. So. Um, he meets this girl anyway who's you know she's she's cute but boring and then uh, it's the same plot it's exactly the same plot he gets caught up with the Yakuza because you know the uh, obviously yeah ov- obviously because you know obviously he's in Tokyo he's got, of course he gets caught up with, with the, the mafia but because the guy who's like the, the Drift King as he calls himself is the nephew of yeah the Drift King um, DK DK he's called he's the nephew of the Yakuza boss so in the end, you know, it's just, and it is, it is quite dull, really. But the 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 the, the reason I say that it, it's the trigger for everything is because there's a few things with Tokyo Drift that are very very strange. The first one is that they introduce a character called Han, who's called, played by Sun Kang, who basically is a bit like the Obi Wan to Sean to Lucas Black. He sort of talk, teaches him the ways of, of you know drifting and all this kind of thing to get to win the races in order to you know win the girl and, and blah, blah blah but then he dies right at the very end uh, in a car crash very suddenly it's very random right but in that film it's clearly meant to be a random car crash right that he dies in and then at the very end then Vin Diesel shows up now Vin Diesel had actually made a deal um, with Universal that for him to cameo in this they would give him the rights to Riddick basically so you know the, the Pitch Black films actually made him famous the, the Pitch Black the first one in like 98 I think that was that was before Fast and Furious really took him off but that then leads into the next film which Vin Diesel's back in which is Fast and Furious just like old times So, you know each other? He used to date my sister. You're a lucky man. How's that? You're still breathing. <sighs> okay. kind of, it, it's, it's not the same as the first film, but it is, in a way. There's less racing in this. It is still there, but it's more about them being like a family. And this this is where that whole start, thing started to really kick off, about them being a family. About, you know, we're a family. And that kind of thing. And about them being a unit, which is why Michelle Rodriguez is killed, well, killed off in the Vertine commas at the beginning, right? For whatever reason, I think she was possibly busy doing other things, but the idea is that Dolly's on his own, he's out for vengeance, he's angry, and then Brian was the one who basically ran her in like an operation to take down a, um, like a, a drug lord, like a, 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 using cars to smuggle things through the Mexico-US border. So, brings them all back together, and obviously then Mia and Brian who went their separate ways, rekindled their romance. And it's a very, 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 you know, simple, obvious plot. But there is definitely more action. They definitely up the action here. It's not quite the transition film into what it becomes. And again, it doesn't quite have the humour yet enough. It's still taking itself a little bit too seriously. But it's it's more action-packed, it's more fun. And it you can see that they're starting to think there's more to this than they've, they've, they've used before, they've had before. And it was it was a big thing, you know. It, it, made, it was the same amount of money it cost, 85 million, but it made 363 million. So it made the most of all of them so far. And I think this was the point where they realised, you know, we can do this now. We can actually make this. And it, like I say, it's not an amazing film. It doesn't really, you know, do anything... As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. No. <laughs> Doesn't reinvent the wheel. Sorry. Um... <laughs> I, I missed that one so then. <laughs> um, so, I, I really, I don't have these written down. I swear. So yeah, but and as I say, you know, Han is in this, but he's in it for like five minutes. Uh, and it's it's like, well, so you you created an entire franchise around a guy who's in it for five minutes. Very, very weird. And then um, Gal Gadot, I think I think is how you say her name, the one who's become Wonder Woman now, she she turns up as Giselle, who's this uh, bit of a tart, really. She's like a bad girl, but and she she's all over Vin like a rash. And so, yeah, basically, yeah. So she's um, she turns up. And then, you know, it's all just left in the position where you've got Dom finally... In, in, in serious trouble and then you know being sent off to Chokey and then Brian just gives up the, the FBI life which she was never really good at anyway <laughs> and then you know they're a team they are properly a team properly slash a family which obviously kicks in to Fast Five Solomon are you crazy? You know whose money are you stealing? We ain't stealing that. All right, listen up. The men we're after are professional runners. We find them, we take them as a team, and we bring them back. And above all else, we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Which you saw, yeah. didn't you? I did, and I... I saw this before I saw one and two because it was on Sky and my mum was shouting Emma that fat furious phones on that you want to see in the rocks in it so I watched it with my mum I would have started by saying I really enjoyed this film mm. like I'd heard really good things about it and it's definitely got all the elements in that I was expecting to see because I heard so much about five and six and to an extent seven over the last few days it had everything I was really looking forward to like the very first scene is them breaking Dom out of the prison truck, which is a bit reckless because they probably killed everyone else on board. That was just an ill-thought-out plan, but it looked awesome. And then, because I saw this first, when they went to Rio and met Vince, I was like, what the fuck is this? Am I supposed to know who this is? And I was like, well. And then, um, yeah, so they're meeting Dom for a job in, in Brazil. And he's not there on time for some reason. And then they're like, we're going to steal, like, these cars off this train for reasons. And they go, and then Vin Diesel shows up and decides to double-cross them. And they take this car. And that is... A, I really like that scene. Like, Freddie was watching that with me, and he was going, Oh, what is he doing to the train? That train's going too fast. Where's that car going? This is from a four-year-old. He was, like, absolutely fascinated by it. <laughs> so they take... They steal this car from this gang, and then... There's a really brief scene, like maybe I just thought it was brief and it was much longer, where Vin Diesel and Paul Walker get captured by the bad guy, and within 20 seconds Vin Diesel's escaped. <laughs> was it was it longer than that? Because I, I swear he was it. just like, oh damn you bad guys, oh, Hulk smash chain, Grr, and he escaped, and that was it. <laughs> I was really like confused. And so they go back, and Vin Diesel sees Vin stealing a chip from his car. And they find out that the chip has got the locations into this drug baron's um, safe houses. There's a lot of drugs in this, isn't there? There's a lot of drugs in this yeah. house. Because yeah. cars and drugs go together. And then that is when The Rock shows up. And that is when shit goes down. Because The Rock is pissed as fuck. He is furious. He's not just fast. Ah, Tony. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. God. That was my fault. <laughs> the Rock, like, he's, you know the muscle and stuff but I've never seen him like play a borderline bad guy really like mm. he's like just angry and he's like stay the fuck out my way which was 
I was just like, no, Rocky, no. Raise your eyebrow and tell them to smell what you're cooking. <laughs> that might actually be a direct quote, you know. You know, I, I'm sure at one point in that film he turned around and went, stay the fuck out of my way. I bet, I'm he sure he, he goes, did. I need two things. And then he like, I don't know, he says the first thing he needs. And he goes, the fellow's like, and what's the second thing? And he goes, get the fuck out of my way. So, <laughs> so then Vin Brilliant. Diesel decides that they're going to rob all this money off this drug baron so they can all start new lives. And this was quite clever, I thought, because you know it's in different locations. They hit the first location, like the really badly guarded one. No one will move all the money into one central location, thus making it easier to rob, which was clever. That's very clever. <laughs> then, like, the shooting, and then the the drug baron finds out who's doing it, and they put a tracker on The Rock's car, because The Rock shows up at this rally, and he's like, Woo, I'm going to take you down. And Vin Diesel's like, bitch, please, we've all got guns. Fuck off. And he does. <laughs> Again, a direct quote. Yeah. Yeah. Then they put a tracker on his car, and the rock's like, I reverse tracked you. <laughs> like, you know, this pseudo fake hacker language. And then they get attacked by the drug baron, and he fucking blows everyone up. Everyone's dead, except for Vin Diesel's crew and the rock, and the other girl whose name I can't remember. And then this is when the rock's just like, you know what? I know you're the bad guy, but I'm going to help you because vengeance is more important than the law. Mm. And we and have. Like, mm. And we have a sleazy, slimy Spanish drug baron to take down. So, you know, we, Mexican drug baron. So we must, yeah, we must team up and, and do this. We're back together. So they all team up to pull off this heist. And, you know, they, they just they pull a safe off the wall of the police station. And then they swap the safe for a fake safe. And then Vin Diesel's in it, like Paul Walker's in the court. And Vin Diesel's like, no, go, you're about to be a father. I can't do the voice, Tony. You might be best to do I'm not sure I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Jeff and, Bridges meets, you know, Batman, clearly. So, you know, it's not working for me either. So it ends up with, like, The Rock being, like, kind of, basically, you have earned my respect, and I'm going to, instead of doing my job properly, I'm going to give you 24 hours. What made me laugh is when they crash the cars with the drug barrier, and The Rock gets out, and he's like, help me, and he's like, no, fuck off, bang, bang, dead. Obviously, <laughs> no repercussions for this. Like, is The Rock above the law? Well, it's The Rock. You the know, Rock is above the law. Yeah. obviously and he's just like go I will catch you and like I really <laughs> enjoyed this it had enough explosions yeah. in and enough of Dwayne Johnson in to keep me interested the only thing I would have liked is if The Rock had rock bottomed a few people but I know <laughs> just like later on like but if he'd done that I think I'd have just lost my shit and been walking around the house interrupting my mum going it doesn't matter what you think because <laughs> I'm easily excited by things like this so I really enjoyed this I, I, I think I will watch six after I finish this podcast because that's how much I enjoyed it oh well you really should anyway because 6 is a great film but yeah interestingly enough The Rock wasn't originally the, the first guy they wanted they originally believe it or not had, had this role in mind with to Tommy Lee Jones Rock right? yeah seriously I know they, they obviously had this idea of, of a really grizzled they were thinking of like you know The Fugitive with Tommy Lee Jones as the US Marshal you know and that kind of thing clearly they, they were going down that route and then they, Vin Diesel's very active on Facebook and he often has to ask his fans things and questions and things like that so presumably he put his fans who do you think should play Gobs? and then they all went well what if The Rock obviously if you want the best bounty hunter in the world The Rock surely and, th and they, they immediately called The Rock up and went do you want to be in it and The Rock was like yeah man and that was it and they were off and they redesigned the whole role for The Rock which was a stroke of genius so the fans the fans are, to, uh, are responsible for this, really, because they would have gone... I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is awesome, but it would have been a very, very different kind of thing yeah. with him, and it wouldn't have been nearly as fun because, you know, The Rock just really elevates it. I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him as an actor anyway. I think he's very underrated, The Rock. I think he's, he's, I think he's got a genuine talent for comedy. I think he's got... Obviously, he's, he's just a, a hulk of a man, um, but he's, he's a good actor. He is actually a good actor. I think you could actually put The Rock in a genuine drama and he'd be good I really do he is the thing is well one of the high points of the film like there's no racing in this like you know you see in the previous films it's not about the like that circuit mm. one of the highlights is the fight between The Rock and Vin Diesel because they are just knocking fuck out of each other and they're going through walls and I didn't think that would ever happen I was thinking if The Rock hit Vin Diesel he would go through a wall yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really like that would happen but the Rock gets a lot of love in this household because obviously me, my mum, and my brother are massive WWE fans, and we have been since like 2000. 
But anything that he's in, my mum will go to see or she will watch on TV. Mm. She For a woman who's like nearly 60, she's got an unhealthy amount of love for Dwayne Johnson. I swear <laughs> to God. We were watching WrestleMania last week and it was like, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning and I was in bed and she freaking ran upstairs, Emma, Emma, the rock's on, the rock's on. She stayed up to watch us on the <laughs> And that's, that's my mother, and that explains everything you need to know about me. <laughs> but yeah, he, he is, he's awesome, you know, and in this, he, he helps sell it. And Fast Five is often in um, film critic circles and, you know, that kind of thing. He's quite, he's believed by many to be the best one. I don't necessarily, I don't quite agree. He's a very good, and it's the moment that it really becomes an interesting franchise. Because they actually. The, the studio was like well, well why don't we transition this now we've got to a point where we've got a lot of these genuine like modern day you know action superheroes you've got Vin Diesel you've got The Rock you know and you've got two of those guys why can't we actually make this more like you know a true massive action franchise and the, the idea was that they wanted to make it like in the spirit of like big great heist films like The Italian Job and things like that now it was it was a brilliant idea and it works remarkably well and it, it is the bank vault moment where they're they're in Rio with a bank like safe their car into and that's the point where you go yeah they've done it this this is this is something else now this isn't just a bit of a, of a, of a wanky you know sort of drag racing fest this is where it gets more and more and more mad and that is when. I mean, fast, the new one has really taken it to new heights, but Fast and Furious 6, that nearly gets it there as well. Last week, a team of highly coordinated drivers took down an entire military convoy. You know real was my last job. Oh, I know you didn't do it. But you're going to help me take down the team that did. And why is that, Hobbs? been chasing this crew across 12 countries. This was taken a week ago. It's impossible. I need your help, Dom. I need your team. Tom, you've seen Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> I have. What, yes. what, what do you think? Like you said, I mean, with Fast 5, it kind of changes the genre from just like a street racing movie to a kind of heist movie with cars. Mm. Um and it, it definitely ramps up the action and it makes it a lot more personal because I mean there's kind of I'm not sure if you'd say consequences but the involvement of Letty who you're kind of led to believe is dead before that mm. kind of it brings it back home and once again reinforces the idea of them being a family I I, I think it kind of felt I mean coming in as someone who'd never seen the film before you get a good sense of like who the characters are and what they mean to each other um, and I think kind of it plays to all of their strengths it kind of like puts Brian back in a situation where he has to deal with the FBI and then again ties back into the fourth film because it's uh, oh god what's his name Drago something like that Drago um, <laughs> I don't know it's the, the guy he goes into prison to see is the guy from the fourth film Something like that. Oh, what the, the villain, Braga. Yeah, that's one. Dra Drago's. <laughs> you're... <laughs> Are you thinking of Rocky Four? <laughs> Is it Rocky Four? Or Rocky Three. Rocky <laughs> so yeah, no. Again, it it ties back into like the fourth film, um, and then of course the very end ties into the third film, kind of bringing it back full circle. That's which brilliant. Which is just really bizarre. I was with. I was with like three people who are obsessed with the film series. So they're like, oh my god, that's Tokyo Drift, that's Tokyo Drift. And I'm sat there thinking, what the fuck is Tokyo Drift? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think personally, uh, having seen six and seven, I do think six is probably my my favourite ones, the ones I've seen. It, it's just a genuinely good action movie, to be honest. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of fun and plus there is an amazing scene where Michelle Rodriguez and oh god what's her name uh, I'm really bad with names Gina um, Carano the the, the, yes. the woman yeah 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 yes they have an amazing fight scene at they the do. very end they do um, and it was actually quite nice to see Mia is, is that her name mm. 
to kind of get involved in I mean she's not majorly involved but she's kind of one of the, the stakes in the film that they have mm. to rescue her so it's kind of nice to see her get involved and um, driving because it's nice to see that that's a family trait uh, so yeah no I just genuinely enjoyed it I think it was a very good film uh, it's a popcorn movie obviously it's like a switch your brain off and eat popcorn while she watch the big explosions but there's nothing wrong with that I mean it's mm. genuinely good at what it sets out to do which is entertaining well I mean I, I think that it, it's the one that really 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 made you go okay this this is a superhero film with cars now because and the and this new one which we'll talk about in a minute really really does that but this this is where they they started to set the bar with this because fast five it did it was still transitioning it did do some of that but it had a little bit more of the older the older style to it as well people lapped it up though i mean one thing i didn't say before is that fast five made 626 million at the box wow. office which is and for a 125 million film which isn't necessarily massive uh, to to produce so it was huge they they upped the budget again on the fast and furious 6 to 160 million and it made nearly 800 million at the box office fast and furious yes. 6 yeah so it's like it's it's like a behemoth and you know to be quite honest this new one even though i think it's going to it's going to do really well it will struggle to w- beat that really because that's an enormous enormous amount of money to make that they're only usually in massive massive long-running tentpole franchise films like like your Star Wars and your Batmans make that kind of money so it's remarkable the sixth highest grossing the the 49th highest grossing film ever right so yeah it's just it's ascended to a new level and the reason is because it knows exactly exactly what it's doing it it has a confidence about it and and again I'll say that about the new one because I thought I thought the new one was very good and it has the same kind of thing but six it's Wonderful in how utterly mad it is. The, the the two things that stick out in my mind are um, Vin Diesel's flying headbutt, which I don't know if you remember that Tom, but at one point he literally flies and headbutts somebody like like <laughs> it's it's incredible, right? <laughs> and then the 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 final chase sequence, which is basically them trying to stop a plane, and people have actually done studies on this. For that actual, actually to have been real, that would that runway would have had to have been twenty five miles long. Yeah, right? it did seem like a very, very long runway. It's it just because that plane doesn't take off, and it's the, the the sequence is about fifteen minutes long, and they're they're going at high speed, and then it never takes off. And I think somebody said it would have to have been about twenty five mile runway. It's amazing, it's amazing. But you don't care, you know. You're there, and you're just enjoying. It. There's the whole of the sequence with, um, obviously, Luke Evans, who's the bad guy, the uh, the Brit baddie, I'm sure. He just at one point commandeers a tank and just starts, you know, trashing like freeways and everything, and they're having to leap off cars onto tanks, and he's just barreling through cars, just smashing people and killing them. And you are there going, "This is possibly the greatest thing I've ever seen." It's, it's just like it was just gleeful in how mental it is, it, and and. And it, it brings, it really does bring, Fast Five started to do it, but it really does bring everyone back together. So it brings back Michelle Rodriguez, presumably after they realise, because I don't necessarily think her dying in the fourth one was was a narrative move, really. I don't didn't get that sense. I think they, they killed her off and then went, shit, what have we done that for? Oh, let's bring her back. Because that's why they have the, the post-credit sequence at, you know, at the end of Fast Five. with, And you go, oh, she's back. And then obviously with this one, as you've mentioned, Tom, you've got the post-credit sequence, which ties into Tokyo Drift and stayed them going, Dominic Toretto, you know, and all that stuff. That's See, like, that was a good impression. I'll give you that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So it's like, isn't Letty like brainwashed or she's got amnesia or something in this one? What, what is it, Tom? Is it that she's just like... Um, it's, um, I believe, from um, the fourth film when they, when they try and kill her instead of actually killing her, she... Uh, gets like she basically gets brain damage from the crash, and then when Luke Evans's character finds her and he's going to take her out, he then realizes that he can use her because she physically doesn't remember anything from her past life. So then, throughout number six and um, again number seven, she's trying to recall, you know, her past life that she physically can't remember. She doesn't remember Toretta. She doesn't remember Brian. So she's kind of just a pawn to Luke Evans's character the entire thing and it's kind of interesting to see her kind of arc going from basically a villain to you know back to the Letty that we know 
Mm. Mm. But yeah, because she is, she used to seem to be a bad guy, a baddie, doesn't she? Really, even though she's never, com- you know, she's always a little bit confused about it. But yeah, this clearly was designed, obviously, to tee up the the latest film. But it really does set the bar hugely high. And then that brings us, obviously, to the new one, Fast and Furious Seven. That's right. Now we're talking. That is gotta go to work. This is a world that doesn't play by your rules. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. Now, I think, I don't know about you, Tom, I know you haven't seen it yet, Emma, Emma have you? But, um... No. I think, Tom... I think I think this is the best one, personally. What do you think? I do think that's fair. I think I think I maybe enjoyed Fast Six more. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it's because going into this film there was so much to live up, live up to, not only with Fast Six but kind of everything that happened around the production. Mm. But I, I I think this is a genuinely great film. I I had a lot of fun. I, I definitely think it's the ultimate popcorn movie film. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's lots of explosions, there's lots of cars. So I I just think you go in expecting a good time, and that's what you get. And I think one of the things that really got me about this film, and I really enjoyed, were all the callbacks to the previous films. Mm. But I remember there's one point, uh, quite near the end of the film, I think, where they're having a chase scene and they go back to I, it's Brian I believe does um, what they seem to do a lot in the first film where they drive underneath a tank um, not a tank what am I saying yeah. I mean a, I mean a truck <laughs> well, it wouldn't surprise me if they did drive underneath a tank if they found a yeah. way they, they miniaturised um, the car with a death ray and that's, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me but I mean it's just little callbacks like that where he drives under the truck and it's just like ah oh, I see where that's from mm. and it kind of it I think it did a really, it does a really nice job of tying all of the, all six films that come before it together mm. in like a nice little bow. So I definitely think if you've enjoyed any of the previous films, I think you'd get an awful lot out of this one. It kind of, I don't know, it, it almost feels like it brings it to a nice conclusion, mm. to be honest. Yeah, it does really. It's Obviously, it was necessitated a little bit, I think, by um, Paul Walker's untimely death in 2013. Because obviously they'd filmed a good proportion of it with him and then they were on a Thanksgiving break and then he died in a car crash, which is the most bizarrely prophetic death I think ever. You know, it's really like life imitating art almost with that. And so they didn't know what to do at the time and they they were sh- they, they said, you know, do we, do we carry on? Do we shut it down? And they decided to have a break, retool it. And what they did really to, to manage to finish filming it was they got him, uh, Paul Walker's brothers, to actually film the scenes and they used then quite complicated CGI in order to make it look like Paul Walker, exactly. But it's interesting when you watch the film, because there was a point in that film I started to go, right, well, have they got to the point yet where they, they would have had to replace him? And I don't know quite what, what they shot in what order. But there's a, they, I think they shot a lot of the film, really, with him. I think, I think yeah. there's not a massive amount, I think, they, it was, it, it obviously he's more towards the final climax, but I don't know about you, Tom. I thought that they they covered that very well. The CGI I, was really yeah. excellent, and you the only thing I, you can tell it's not quite his voice slightly, but it, it was very very well done. You wouldn't if you didn't know he died. I don't think you'd know either way. No, uh, there was there was only I think two sequences that I noticed. Uh, I don't think that's quite him. I mean, the very very end, which was clearly reshot after his mm. um, after his death. And there's one scene quite near the front. It's it's the scene that ties into Tokyo Drift, where he's putting his son in the car. Uh, mm. There's kind of in every kind of in every shot of that scene, his face is either like half in shadow mm. or he's leaning down. And I was like, I've got a feeling that's one of his brothers, not actually him. Mm. Uh, but I, I think they did a great job of covering it up. Um, I think the CGI they use is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and. Um, you know, I was I was wondering, oh, was this bit shot with him? Was it not? But well, I, I think they dealt with the outside circumstances of production really, really well, and they've made a film that's genuinely 
not only very good but very touching um, mm, mm. I think there were quite a few um, quite a few tears when I went to see it. I say not, not from myself but from people around me because you know I'm um, emotionless but, um, <laughs> but it, it's genuinely moving I mean there's just certain bits throughout the film not even just the end there's a scene where Brian's on the phone with Mia and it's it's genuinely moving because you know this is the last time you're going to see Brian mm. and see Paul Walker it's mm. genuinely it, it, it pulls you into the story even more yeah it does and it does yeah it just really works because they, they they do at, at one point feign it and make it look like you know it's going to go one way with him as opposed to what they actually do I'm being coy because I don't want to ruin it for Emma um, it's okay I was going to ask I was going to ask you does he die oh well no yeah. <laughs> it, I, was, I was actually talking about this to my brother before and he said he didn't know the ending but we were both kind of said we thought it would be not disrespectful exactly but to kill him off in the franchise as well I don't mm. think it would have been a fitting end and I can't imagine like for the people he worked with for so many years to kill off his character as well as you know him not being there anymore I don't know it wouldn't have sat right with me if I knew his character was going to die in the film as well I think it's much better to have him kind of written off into the sunset or whatever he did well that that, um, that is that is basically what they do you know literally uh, there is a sunset <laughs> yeah yeah they, is there a horse there is the beach yes there is the beach no it, it, but it's very much it very much is like they're giving Brian the end the life that Paul Walker should have had which which is really quite sweet really and it, it is fitting and I mean they could have gone the other way and given him like a really heroic death and made him like save like Vin Diesel's life or save his, his kid's life and he dies for it I mean that people would have they would have swallowed that because he, they would have they would have known he's died and they would have loved the nobility of it but what they did was right I think it was right from a a, a story point of view and it was right from a uh from a personal point of view, and the ending is very sad. It is very sad, and it's. I think. I think. I said in my written review. I think Paul Walker would be very proud of this film, actually, because it's. It's just. It is really, really good. It is. It's got to a point now, this this franchise where, it's transcended so much in, of of what it was, and it's become it's become the modern equivalent of the the kind of films that you used to love as a kid. That that what well, I used to love as a kid. Things like The Rock, things like the Arnold Schwarzenegger films in the eighties, like you know, like the the ones where it was just more and more mad, more and more, you know, comedy winks to the audience, tongue in cheek, you know, all that kind of stuff that I just used to geek out over. The, the lines, you know, the quotes. There's a moment in this where The Rock, and unfortunately, Emma, The Rock sits a lot of this out, right? Aww. Yeah. So don't tell your mum that, right? Because she, <laughs> but he is in the basically he's in the beginning of the end effectively and he gets some really awesome moments don't get me wrong but there's one bit towards the end where he's in a plaster cast right his arm and he literally literally breaks his own plaster cast with the power of his arm and and turns to his daughter and says daddy's gotta go to work and I screamed with excitement because it's just <laughs> it's just one of those moments that you just go this is why this is why we're here right they know exactly what they're doing Everyone in it is having a good time, despite you know the tragic circumstances around the production. They they just they're just loving every minute of it. You've got um, people like Kurt Russell who comes in and reminds us why we love Kurt Russell because he's brilliant as like the shadowy government agent who's just full of quips and and stuff like that. It, it just it just works, and the the action sequences are are immense. I mean they <laughs> they're some of the biggest blockbuster things I've ever seen. They really are. You know, um, and they go on for ages, but they never bore you. They never drag. It just—it's just brilliant. You've got—you've got Statham as well. Statham, who he really should play villains more often because he's so good. Because he—he just—he just turns up every now. The beauty of this, what what I do love, and I don't know if you noticed this, Tom, was that they're basically there's this whole other plot wrapped up in the plot that Jason Statham's after them to avenge his brother, as we knew from the end of the sixth one. But then um, they also have to basically, in order to stop him, they have to do a thing where they go and um, they have to get like a MacGuffin called the God's Eye. And the deal that Russ, Kurt Russell makes with them is, right, well, we will give you this God's Eye to find Statham if you help us take down another, another terrorist thing. And they go, okay. Well, what they forget is that Statham turns up everywhere they go, right? Yeah. So he turns up anyway to try and kill them all. And I was there going, well, what do they need that stuff for then? He's going to turn up anyway. <laughs> it's like... It makes no sense. <laughs> it's brilliant. 
There was um, there was a point in the film where I did wonder if the MacGuffin the Gods, I, I was like, oh, is that going to be the plot of Fast 8? Because there were two kind of plots running side by side, and I was like, well, I reckon they're going to wrap up, um, wrap up the Jason Statham plot in this one and leave something for the next one. But they kind of, they managed to intertwine them quite nicely, but I was genuinely thinking, he's, he's, he's coming to you, you don't have to go after him, there's like, there's no point, just set up kind of your defences back in, back in wherever you are, yeah. and, like, there's, there's no point to do all this travelling, but you don't mind, because, like, you want to see the big explosions and the fast cars and kind of the ridiculous, glamorous chaos of it all I mean the stunt pieces in this one are just absolutely fantastic so the fact that it was all kind of pointless considering Statham was coming after them anyway just really doesn't matter to you when you're actually in no, there you don't exactly. think about it it's not important you're there you're just having so much fun with it all yeah. like you said the locations the stunts you know, and just the, the sheer confidence of it. It was like Mission Impossible on steroids, this film. Yes. It's, it really is. It's become, they are just superhero spies, basically, now. Just going around, doing missions, and they're still family. And it, it's, it is so much fun. Uh, and and I, am, I am now at the point where, it's funny you should say about Fast 8, because I've heard that Kurt Russell's going to play a much bigger role in Fast 8. So I think they are layering a few things in with this. But I'm at the point now where I, I can't wait. I literally can't wait for Fast 8, whether it's two years, three years. It will now be... I was looking forward to this for a while, but Fast 8 now is, is one of my upcoming I can't wait for because it, it's at the point now where they are just having so much fun. They know exactly what they're doing. They're doing it bloody well. And it's it's what exactly what a blockbuster should be. And it isn't quite as dumb as people might think it is either. It's, it's, it is shallow. It is obvious. But it, it knows what it is. And if it was truly dumb and stupid, it wouldn't have that. It wouldn't have that tongue-in-cheek. It wouldn't have that. It wouldn't have Tyrese all the way through going, so hang on, we took a plane down, then we took a tank down, and now you want to fly us in a car? And, and he's like, what the hell? And he's us. He's the audience. He's the audience basically turning around and going, how much more mental can this be? Right? That's why it works. And I can't wait, because when we, by the time we get to Fast 10, they surely will be in space. It's going to get to a point where that's all. It will be. It won't be just you know driving a car out of a plane. It will be them on a rocket, right? It's so weird you said that because I was talking to my boyfriend Mike before about I was watching the films and he was like they're going to have to end up in space on like the International Space Station riding car, like driving cars around like it's a drag race or something. He's right. Because that's logically where it's going to go it's... or under the sea. Yeah. <laughs> I would go watch both of those films. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all would. I think we all would. Well. So, Tom, can we agree that Fast, Fast and Furious 7 is, is a very, very good film? Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Recommended, then. That's about it, really. We've, we've picked apart the franchise. Um, we've been fast. We've been furious. I've been very furious. <laughs> <laughs> Tom has been very furious. Yeah, it just leaves me to thank you both for, uh, for coming on. And um, keeping up to speed. Oh wait, it's it's eighteen days to Age of Ultron. How many days? Eighteen. Eighteen days. Thank you, Emma. Awesome. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, this is actually that is is a good point to just uh, remind people of the fact we will be doing an, uh, a, a Marvel MCU Avengers mega podcast in um, only that would be only about three short weeks basically from now which is great but uh, yeah 18 days well, I can't wait it's going to be our biggest podcast ever EVA so um, yeah you're going to love that hopefully so yeah thanks to Emma you're welcome <laughs> thanks to Tom no problem thank you for having me absolute pleasure and uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to shoot off now um, and before I do any more puns so uh <laughs>